0: Can you imagine that we are now entering the 45th season of Survivor? Yeah, we are. And we have some fans in the house, and we're glad for that. But uh, as we think about that show, and I was a fan in the early days as uh, Survivor began really years ago, and uh, in those early days, the challenge as you had. Uh, Men and women from every age, taken from different walks of life, and they were dropped off in some remote part of the world to play a game whereby whoever wins and is the last one standing, the last one to remain, uh, is in line to win and take home one million dollars. And each player is placed on a team, and they have to decide in that team how they are going to function, what their strategy is going to be. They have to decide if they're going to build an alliance with certain individuals. They have to determine what compromises they're going to make and even what convictions they're going to have. And all of this to help in completing successfully the mission that they've been given, and that is to outplay, to outplay and to outlast those who are playing the game with them. Well, as we look in Scripture this morning, we realize that David gives us an indication of how we are to approach the game of life. And it's not just a game that we're playing for a million dollars, although that wouldn't be a bad thing if we won that or got a hold of that. But the reality of it is that we're playing the game or we're living the life in order to get to eternity. And spending eternity in heaven with God, recognizing that how we live the life, how we strategize, how we outwit, outwit, outplay, outlast, will determine, basically, whether or not we spend our future with God in heaven through a relationship with Jesus Christ and so this morning I want us to turn our attention to Psalm 1 Psalm number 1 as we look at this idea of being a survivor but really being more than a survivor we want to be a thriver in this life so that we can make our life count for the gospel and our life matter for the things that really uh, mean something in the end So let's stand together as we look at Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And David writes this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. And therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish let's pray Heavenly Father in Jesus name we thank you this morning for the written revelation of your word and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to look into your word this morning And gain understanding and gain insight of what your purpose and your plan is for our life. So God, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray this, Jesus, in your holy name and for your sake. Amen. You may be seated. The game of the survivor decisions are being made every day and in every situation, how the player is going to play the game and therefore be seen be supported by others on the team we need to recognize today that David describes two teams if you will that are on the face of the earth today there are those who have surrendered their life and repented of their sin who recognize that Jesus Christ died upon the cross In our place so that as we put our hope and our trust and our faith in him that we receive the gift of forgiveness and of eternal life the Bible says that we are robed in righteousness so there is one team that I would call team righteous but then there is another team that's described in this passage and it's a team That doesn't follow the paths of God that doesn't seek after God that doesn't want really God to have anything to do with their life unless somehow it is able to enhance and to bless their life in something in particular and then they might try to drop in on God for a short period of time and then move on but the reality of it is that these two teams exist On the earth today team righteous and team ungodly or as the word translate wicked when I was talking to my wife this week about it said we've got team righteous and team wicked and she said that sounds harsh and I said it is harsh it's the harsh reality that those who are in opposition to God or those who are not a part of what God is doing They are on a team working in opposition to the power of God, the principles of God on this earth, and they're being used in an ungodly way to accomplish the enemy's mission, not the mission of our Lord and Savior. And so in this passage of Scripture, David really gives us three things that we need to look at when it comes to this idea of being on the right team, but also living In the right way and the first thing that he would tell us in verse 1 is that we must be separated from the world he's going to describe for us a person who is blessed by God and he said blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful the word "blessed" is a interesting word. It's the word "baruch," which is a common Hebrew word that is translated "bless" or "blessing." And when it is used of God, talking about God, we know that the word "blessing" talks about a sense of praise. When we say "Bless the Lord, O my soul," there is a sense of praise that is being offered. Up to God we are blessing the Lord in adoration and adulation we are we are speaking our hearts and giving God the glory that he deserves but when the same word is used in reference to mankind to a man or woman to humanity it is then talking about a sense of happiness or a state of happiness and so the word can be translated oh Happiness is the man. And then he begins to describe this person whose life is joyful and happy. And we find that that happiness and joyfulness comes in our relationship with the Lord. Well, we see here that David begins with the negative and then he gets to the positive when he says, Blessed is the man. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly? He describes this person as walking in life, and as they walk along life's pathways and in and out of situations, they encounter the ungodly who give them counsel. The idea there of counsel is advice. Who walks not in the advice of the ungodly or of, in the advice of the wicked? And so, David's first words in his very first psalm, very first book, is he says that we are blessed by God. We are happy and joyful. Our life is full of peace and well-being when we do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And I've found over the years that everyone has advice, and many times that's offered freely even when you don't ask. Have you noticed that? There are some people who think it's their spiritual calling to give advice to everyone about their life. And so you may have encountered someone like that. But the idea of this godly or ungodly counsel is that David's telling us that It is a person who is walking in a sense of carelessness. The idea is we're walking along life and we hear counsel from those who are far from God and they're telling us what we should believe, what we should think, where we should go, how we should do it, what our marriages should look like, how to raise children, when in fact they know nothing of spiritual truth and spiritual guidance. And so he tells us that your life will be messed up if you listen to the ungodly counsel that's coming from the world. Happy is the man, blessed is the man, who does not walk in the counsel, the advice of the ungodly. When we think about the life of Peter, Peter had walked closely with Jesus, and we know in that final evening as Peter was with Jesus in the garden, and Jesus is arrested and being taken in uh, to be tried and put on trial, that Peter follows Jesus at a distance. And it's interesting how Scripture, the Gospels, describe Peter's life in what he did in terms of how he proceeded in following Jesus. Mark 14:54 says, but Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Peter followed from a distance. He was walking with the ungodly. He was finding himself in a situation to those who had bad counsel, bad advice, that is, to crucify the Son of God, that Jesus was somehow uh, somehow in opposition, To their religion and they did not understand who he was and so we find peter walking and following christ at a difference but then he tells us number two that this person is standing he is walking and then he's standing notice what he said he does not stand in the path of sinners he does not stand where sinners have walked the idea of paths is when a Part of the ground has been tread upon repeatedly and continually to the point that it's created a path. We've all seen those. It might be the path across a lawn to get from the sidewalk to a door. It might be the path in the woods. It might be the path on a game trail. For those of you who are hunters, where you see that animals have walked along to get to water, get to food, or whatever the case may be. But it's a path. It's a path that's been beaten down, a path that's been uh, created direction, and he said here that blessed is the man that does not stand in the path of sinners. He's moved from just walking to now abiding in a place to where those who are walking in opposition to God are. At this stage, the sin is no longer practical, but it becomes somewhat habitual, it begins to be practiced more often. And looking at the life of Peter in John 18, now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Peter began to mix in with the crowd in this moment. And he was struggling not only with his identity and who he was and He believed in Christ, but what was happening? There was such a disarray of what was going on, and Peter, after he followed this crowd into the courtyard, he then found himself standing among those who would later mock and put Jesus to death. But then we see this person is finally sitting in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. And the idea of being scornful that word means to brag or to speak boastfully to scoff or to deride or mock and so David has given us an indication that there are people who get to the point in their life where they mock the very God who created them they laugh at the idea that God would create this heaven and the earth they are in a situation where they forget that God is in control of every aspect of their life. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us right now. We pray for our brother, that you would just protect him from harm, and thank you for just the way you watch over us and that you care for us in moments like these. So God, help us to renew our mind and to focus our attention on truth and on what you're wanting to say this morning. We'll give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I think he's all right. Is that right? Everybody's okay? Thumbs up? Great. So we find this man who is uh, walking in the counsel of ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of... Of the scornful but David begins to turn his attention as he describes of us to us this progression that takes place as a person begins to walk away from God and we need to understand we're all born in opposition to God our very nature our spirit is such that we don't seek after God but as we come to understand who he is he reveals him self to us we then begin to know that he loves us and cares for us and the more we understand about the nature of God and who Christ is and what the Spirit of God is doing within us then we see that our lives are being drawn to his love and drawn to his power and his grace and then we repent of our sin and trust him as our Lord and Savior and we come into a right relationship with him. But it begins by being in the world we're to be in the world as believers but not of the world we're not to live by the worldly standards or the worldly ideas or the thoughts that are in opposition to who god is and what his plans are for our life and today we have those competing voices all around us you can just listen and you'll hear Those who despise faith and despise a person who is Christ-centered and God-centered. They will discount what you have to say. They will discourage you from being involved. They will do whatever they can to distract you from the main mission of life. And the Lord tells us that we are to be separated from the world. And the idea of separation is not isolation, it's not to be isolated from the world, but it's to be involved in the world without contamination, without being contaminated by the thinking, by the thought processes, and, and by the ideas that the world has to offer, that which is ungodly or team wicked, if you will, separated from the world but then David reminds us in verse 2 that we are to be saturated with the word not only do we have to make a conscious decision that we're not going to embrace the world's ideas that are anti-christian anti-god anti-christ but in fact we have to be saturated with the word of God That is what David writes in verse 2 And remember this is, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The word delight means to take pleasure in. It means to desire or to regard something as being valuable. So David is saying, oh, happiness, joy, contentment, a sense of well-being in life comes from those who find a delight in the law of the lord we know that in this passage david is probably referring to the torah what's known as the pentateuch the first five books of moses that which was written and available but today we know that the law of god the word of god is what we hold in our hands the 66 books of the Bible that God has given to us that reveals who He is, that we may know Him and that we may understand His love for us, and in turn that we might love Him with all of our hearts. And so we're to be saturated with the Word of God. We delight in His Word. The idea of we delight is that we love to read, we love to hear, we love to sing. The words of God. This past week in Vacation Bible School, Pastor Jason used an illustration that I thought was really good, talking about how we recognize the Bible as God's love letter written to us as human beings and as humanity. He created us, he wrote us a letter, a letter in the form of the Bible that explains to us how he cares for us. And he came forward and he had a stack of letters and cards that he had received from his wife, from Desiree, and from others that were important to him. And he talked about how much it meant to him to open some of those letters and begin to read the truth of what was in them and what was being said. Many times affectionate love letters that might be written from his wife, his fiancée's soon-to-be wife. And so in that thought we think about Delighting in the Word of God, we recognize the love relationship that we have with Him. And as we love Him more, then we have a better understanding, a greater desire for His Word in our life. And so I've written in your notes this statement, Whatever delights us, directs us. Whatever you delight in will direct you in your life. If you delight in the things of God, you'll find yourself pursuing and being interested more in the Word of God, in the people of God, the fellowship of God. Those things that really matter from a Christian's perspective in helping us to grow in our faith and our understanding of who God is. But if you desire and delight in something else, whether it be a hobby whether it be being a part of a group a business a company your job whatever it might be whatever you delight in whatever we delight in is going to direct us it will claim our attention it will gain a position in our life and it will begin to lead us in that direction so whatever delights us directs us and the Bible says we are to delight in the law of the Lord And in his law, he meditates day and night. The word meditates is a word which means to moan or to reflect or to utter. Another translation talks about to ponder by talking to oneself. So you'll be glad to know that it is okay to talk to yourself at times. In fact, we all do it. Every one of us have a voice in our head that tells us things either about us or about God or about others and what we have to ask is what we're hearing is it truth or is it a lie and when we read God's word we know that it is truth that he says that we are to meditate on the truth of God day and night we have that self-talk we are receiving those messages in our own mind and it's important that we base the messages that we're telling ourselves on the truth of what God has said in his word Psalm 19 verse 14 the psalmist said let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O oh Lord my strength and my Redeemer as Joshua was about to enter into The new land that had been given, the promised land of God, was about to enter in, taking over responsibility from Moses. In Joshua 1.8, he was told, The book, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you think if our lives were being prosperous and successful that we would have a different perspective and a different idea about our circumstances and about the things that we encounter? And yet that's the promise that Joshua was told, you don't let the words of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, you talk about it day and night, meditate upon it, self-talk, About the word memorize the word sing the word listen to the word but saturate yourself with the Word of God and it will begin to change your perspective and your attitude and even the way that you respond to God you know meditation is to the spirit what digestion is to the body meditation is to our spirit, where the Spirit of God begins to take God's Word that we have taken in, and it begins to draw out, if you will, the nutrients and the truth and the ability for it to change us from the inside out. That's only a miracle by the grace of God. So not only do we delight in the Word, but it becomes the source of our spiritual nourishment. And it becomes, really, our life. I love what Henry Blackaby said, and I've included this in your notes this morning. He said, if you are spiritually prepared, then you are confronted, when you are confronted with a situation, you will not have to try to develop instantly the quality of relationship with Christ that can sustain you. If you're prepared when you meet the crisis in life if you've delighted in the word if you've meditated upon it day and night when you meet a crisis in your life and every one of us will then you don't have to somehow try to develop instantly the kind of relationship that will get you through that moment that will help you to have a heavenly perspective and see things From God's perspective and not your own how do we prepare we meditate on the Word of God and I love the fact that it's so straightforward and so simple and yet let's be honest it's rather challenging to do because we get swept up in all the other things going on around us and we get caught up in everything else that's happening around the world or even in our own community. But learning to listen to the Lord, learning to meditate upon the Lord, have that self-talk that is consistent with Scripture in our life will cause you and me to have a life that is blessed by the Lord. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of God. But then he gives us a third principle or a third truth in this passage. You see when we are separated from the world and we were saturated with God's word, then the Bible says we will be situated by the waters. We'll be situated by the waters. Notice in verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper and so we see in that text in that scripture that we'll be planted like a tree by the streams of water why is that so important because when you think about a tree that's been planted it brings with it a sense of intentionality a tree was planted specifically by a stream of water so that it could have an never-ending unending source of supply that the water might offer to it the water of life and then he also tells us that this tree will bring forth fruit in its season we know in israel that there was there were figs and seasons of figs when figs would become ripen, and typically there are three growing seasons and one of those growing seasons occurs in May and June when the figs, the buds of the figs, are produced on the old wood. And usually those figs have little uh, flavor to them. They don't taste as well, and so they're often discarded. They're called burba uh, figs, and they're discarded and thrown away in anticipation of the better fruit that will come out on the new shoots and the new wood. Of the plant. He said, We're going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water, bearing fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And I believe that what that word is teaching us is that a leaf that doesn't wither is an indication that the tree is alive and healthy. When a leaf begins to crumble up and shrivel up and die, it's an indication that there is some kind of a death process going on within the tree. Maybe the fall season, maybe another time, maybe disease, maybe something that's causing that tree to lose its leaves. But God's promise is that a man, a woman, a person who is delighting in the Lord, who is meditating upon the word of God, he said you will be like a tree firmly planted by the stream of water that will supply you with everything you need to live this life. And to live it for the glory of God. When I think about a tree, I realize a tree is not only something that is a blessing, but it provides protection and cover for others. When you begin to walk in truth, you're able to give counsel, advice. You're able to give direction in ways that are consistent with God's truth and God's word. Not just simply what the world says, not the default answers of the world, but it's truth by what God tells us. And that brings life to us as His children. If we are going to be on team righteousness and be on the right side, then we have to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, recognizing that when that tree was planted, the tree of the cross was planted. On the hill of Golgotha, and Jesus Christ was put to death, he told us that out of him would come rivers of living water, that he would be living water to those who are thirsty and those who are dry. And so we conclude this morning as we think about the life of David and what he was trying to help his contemporaries to understand. A song of praise, a song of worship. A song of knowledge to remind them every day delight in the Lord. Meditate upon his word day and night. And what is the result? We'll be blessed by God. We will walk in a sense of joy and well-being and understanding that no matter what you're going through, listen, it gives you a whole different perspective on life because you realize that God can take even the worst of circumstances and he can bring the best out of it and that's being a part of his family and being a part of the kingdom of God if you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior it it is a personal decision that we make whereby we believe and understand that God created the world, that man sinned, and as a result, we were separated from God, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, he lived a sinless life, he died upon the cross, he was put into a borrowed tomb, he was resurrected on the third day, he walked among men and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says one day he's coming back one day our Lord is going to return to this earth and he will receive all of those who have put their trust and hope and faith in him who have repented of their sin and recognized I can't pay the penalty for my sin but Jesus did and if you're here this morning you've never done that I would encourage you in the quietness of your own heart just simply pray and say God I know that I'm a sinner I believe Jesus died upon the cross for my sin and right now by faith I put my hope and my trust in you and I commit to serve you the rest of my life and if you're willing to pray that prayer mean it with your heart this morning you can transfer from team ungodly to team godly team righteous to be a part of what God is doing in the world And recognize that there is the promise and the hope of an eternal home. Let's bow together and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for loving us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for how you show us your goodness. And even as David talked in this passage, he says in verse 6 that you know the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish God we know that there is no hope for those outside of Jesus but we have certain hope and we have confidence because of what Christ you have done for us in your death on the cross and I pray right now for those in this room who have never trusted you Jesus that you would prompt their hearts that you would Call them unto yourself, that you would remind them that you love them and care for them. God, if there's a man or a woman, a boy or girl that's here today that needs to put their hope and their trust in you, I pray that maybe even during this song, they'll turn to a friend or turn to a family member. If they're here by themselves, just reach out maybe to one of our ushers. Or to come down here to the front, one of our pastors or deacons or leaders. Just simply say, I want to put my hope and my trust in Jesus. As we sing this song, help us to be confident in who you are and what you're wanting to do in our life. And we'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.